and welcome to the Old Time Radio Hour. I'm your host, Justine Ward, and each week we bring you a classic show from radio's golden age. This week we have some comedy for the holiday season with Eddie Cantor and the absurdist humor of Vic and Sade. First we have Eddie Cantor's show with Dinah Shore singing and lots of jokes to keep you laughing. The Eddie Cantor show with a Christmas theme, first broadcast December 23rd, 1942, on NBC. Ladies and gentlemen, before an audience of several hundred members of the first motion picture unit of the United States Army Air Corps, Bristol Myers, the makers of Ipana for the Smile of Beauty, and Sal Hepatica for the Smile of Health, present It's Time to Smile with Eddie Cantor. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Jingle bell, jingle, jingle bell, jingle bell. No, 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 well, no, well, no. Merry Christmas, Harry. Merry Christmas. Hey, Eddie. Yeah. Hollywood is really decorated for Christmas, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Hollywood and Vine, there are two big Santa Clauses hanging on the lampposts. No, there. just one, Harry. The uh, other one is W.C. Fields. Yeah. <laughs> He's been hanging there since last New Year's. <laughs> you say it's W.C. Fields? You should have seen him last night. He stood there for an hour singing, I'm dreaming of a wet Christmas. <laughs> Well, I guess everybody's eagerly awaiting Santa Claus, Eddie. Look, Harry, I don't want to shock you because you're such a young boy. What's the matter? But Santa Claus has decided not to come here this year. It's too dangerous the way things are. I don't understand. What do you mean? If his reindeer show up in Los Angeles, the butchers will grab him. No! Oh, now, wait a minute, Eddie. Yes. Is, is the meat shortage really that serious? Don't you... Is it serious? Yeah, well, I... Listen, this morning, a cop's horse galloped down Hollywood Boulevard, and 14 pedestrians bit him on the run. <laughs> By the time that horse got to the station, he was only a colt. <laughs> See, that reminds me. I saw you on the boulevard this morning, well, Eddie. naturally. You were probably doing your Christmas shopping. Oh, yes. Yes, that Woolworths is a great place, isn't it's it? It's... <laughs> I was in all the stores, Harry. In all the stores, oh, well, I was. I didn't know. And you wouldn't be so insulting if you knew what kind of a gift I got for you. Oh, a gift well, for me? Of course, Harry. Oh boy, what am I getting? Well, I'll give you a hint. You put it on your finger, and it shines. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, same as last year. Huh? Nail polish. No. But <laughs> <laughs> well, look here, Eddie. You haven't spent all your time shopping, have you? Well, of course not. Well, you know why, Harry? What? Why? Didn't I discuss it with you, Harry? What happened? With Ida Lapino as our guest tonight, I spent most of the time learning to be a gentleman. I well, told her I was going to do it. Well, what do you mean, learning to Look, be... Look, she's a great actress, Harry. Yes. Extremely dignified. Mm-hmm. So I spent all day yesterday taking diction lessons. What a time I had. There I was with a professor of speech. Hanley Stafford? Hanley Stafford. Baby Snook's father? Oh, He's yes. a professor of speech. Yes. Yes. <laughs> in this place yesterday, he was saying to me... Now, Mr. Cantor, you must learn to speak in glowing terms. You should know the meaning of adjectives. Professor, you don't have to worry about my grammar. I happen to be an extremely intelligent person. Besides, I know exactly what adjectives is. I know. (laughs) That's fine. Now, in meeting a woman of Ida Lupino's social standing, one must speak flawlessly and with great dignity. Naturally. If you are guilty of crude... Harsh pronunciations. Yes. It uh, stinks. 
To begin your lesson on diction, read the first sentence in this book. In this book? Okay. Yes. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. No, 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 no. no. You must get those pear-shaped toes. Oh, round. Yes. For instance, pooter pooper, pook to pook, a pooper pooper. Pookle poopers? Where do you buy them in the Julius Catus? <laughs> All right, now you try the line. A poodle pooper? No, 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 no. Your mouth isn't shaped correctly. Now, come on. Pucker up. Pucker up. I didn't think you cared. Now, <laughs> get off my lap and continue with the rest of the exercise. Yes. Try this paragraph. Very well. After taking my departure... I arrived at Albuquerque. No, 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 no. No? Not Albuquerque. Not Albuquerque? Albuquerque. <laughs> From Albuquerque, I went to Louisiana. No, 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 no. Not Louisiana. Louisiana. All right. From Louisiana, we arrived in Ohio. Fool around with that one, wise guy. <laughs> Oh, that's silly. Why would anyone want to fool around with Ohio? <laughs> okay, Professor, what is next? Now repeat after me. I would appreciate your giving me four gallons of gasoline. I would appreciate you giving me nine gallons of gasoline. I said four. I've got a B book. No. <laughs> That, Harry, is exactly what happened last night. I've studied so hard, I do hope I'll make an impression on Ida Lupino when she arrives. You see, Harry? That may be she now. Oh, do enter, please. Hello, Mr. Carter. Harry McDaniel. <laughs> Harry, the way you spoke, I thought you were Ida Lupino. Boss, are you off the beam? Tell me, Harry, where have you been all day? I've been Christmas shopping. Yeah? Rochester's in New York, so I sent him something to keep him warm. To keep him warm, huh? What size? Two gallons. <laughs> have you heard from Rochester since he's been to New York, Harry? Constantly. Just listen to his last letter. He says, uh, Dear Cuddles. Cuddles. <laughs> it's cold here in New York, and I'm still warm from your goodbye kisses. Wish you were here, because it's getting time to refuel. <laughs> Does he say anything about Jack Benny, Mr. Benny, you know? Yes, he says, uh, Mr. Benny played golf in Central Park this morning and managed to divot up a lovely Christmas tree. <laughs> divot! Continue, Harry. He says, uh, Central Park is beautiful this time of the year. This morning I visited the duck pond. Now if I can locate a cranberry pond, our Christmas dinner will be complete. <laughs> Rochester have to say in the letter. He says, uh, we'll return to California soon. Mr. Benny is anxious to get back to Carmichael as there's a meat shortage. Yeah. He has given me a straight razor for Christmas and wants me to shave Carmichael in my own inimitable way. <laughs> go on, go on, go on, honey. This will be the second time I have tried to shave Carmichael. 
The last time I tried to save him, he gained momentary possession of the razor. Yes, yes. And that's the first time a polar bear ever gave a man a G.I. hat. <laughs> Thank you, honey. I wonder what could be keeping Ida Lupino. Maybe I'd better go out and phone her. Harry, will you take over while I'm gone? Oh, yes, I'd be glad to, Eddie. I'd better be careful how I speak to her. I must remember my diction. Albuquerque, pickle pooper. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, ladies and gentlemen, for the second time in two weeks, our own Dinah Shore has been honored in the popularity polls. This morning, she was notified that the newspaper and magazine radio editors of America, in a poll conducted by Radio Daily, have elected her as the best female popular singer in the country. And now our own Dinah is going to sing, This is the Army, Mr. Joe. This is the Army, Mr. Joe. No private rooms or telephone. You had your breakfast in bed before, but you won't have it there anymore. This is the Army, Mr. Green. We like the barracks nice and clean. You had a housemate to clean your floor, but she won't help you out anymore. Do what the buglers command. They're in the army and not in the band. This is the army, Mr. Brown. You and your baby went to town. She had you worried, but there's this war, and she won't worry you. Anymore, you're in the army now. You're not behind the plow. You gotta get up. You gotta get up. You're in the army now. You're in the army now. You're not behind the plow. You gotta get up. You gotta get up. You're in the army now. This is the army, Mr. Brown. You and your baby went to town. She had you worried. Anymore. Oh, Dinah, Harry, I finally got this diction business figured out. You see, it's all in your breathing. You, oh, shucks, there's nothing. I've been breathing for years. Uh, but, but, but not this way. Look, I'll show you. First, take a deep breath and hold it for the count of 20. Count of 20. Like this? That's it. One, two, three, four. But, but Mr. Cater. Yes, Dinah. Mm-hmm. I don't see what breathing's got to do with it. Well, it's really very simple, Dinah. You see, your voice comes from your diaphragm, so... Yeah. Okay, Harry, okay. Five, six, seven, see, Dinah. If you hold your breath for 20 counts, then... Mm-hmm. Mr. Cater, Harry's getting purple. Keep counting. Oh, 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 eight, nine. <laughs> oh, Harry, you, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Now we'll have to start all over. God. Oh, look, Eddie, forget about my diction. I'm here to tell people how they can feel better, faster, and it's what I say, not how I say it, that counts. I think you're right, Harry. That that makes... Yes, ladies and gentlemen, please remember this one thing. The next time you wake up feeling dull and headachy due to the need of a laxative, just remember Sal Hepatica and take it right away. Because then Sal Hepatica brings gentle, speedy relief, usually within an hour. So why wait until night to take the laxative you need in the morning? Then risk feeling miserable all day. Sal Hepatica has this additional advantage. 
Sparkling sal hepatica also helps sweeten an upset stomach by helping to reduce excess gastric acidity. So get a bottle of sal hepatica from your druggist tonight or tomorrow. And any time you need a laxative, morning, noon, or night, see how much faster you feel better when you take gentle, speedy sal hepatica. What's the matter, Eddie? I just spoke to her. I didn't feel oh, so much. Oh, I know, but... She's on her way over here. Tell me quick. Do I look all right? Well, don't I'm... worry about your looks, Eddie. That's silly. Why make such a fuss over Ida Lapine? I know, but... After, what if she is young and beautiful? What if she does have a pretty face? What? Beautiful hair? Yeah. What if she's got a gorgeous figure? And... Take a look, Eddie. Do I look all right? Of course you look all right, Harry. Tell me. Harry, this is serious. Gosh, I hope I remember my language lesson, my diction. Everything done... Well, Ida Lupino, here she is. <laughs> Miss Lupino, it is indeed an honor and a privilege to have my program graced by so charming and cultured a lady. Quit stalling, Popeye, and let's make with a belly laugh. <laughs> Laughs. Yeah, the gagaroos. Slip the nifty to me, Shifty. Shoot me a whopper and I'll give you a topper, Popper. <laughs> shifty, Popper, shoot me a whopper? What's happened to you, Ida? You sound like you had a transfusion from Phil Harris. Eddie, my dear, from now on, call me Peanuts Lupino. I'm giving up the drama and going into vaudeville. Oh, no, 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 Ida. You mu- you're making a mistake giving up your dramatic career for comedy. Gosh, don't... Comedians aren't happy. It gets tiresome having people laugh at your jokes all the time. How would you know? Jack Benny told me... Shut up! <laughs> Take my advice, Ida. Stick to your serious roles. You really know how to handle drama. Why, the last time I went to see your picture, I... I cried and I cried and... Oh, Eddie, my acting affected you so much. No, I got there just after the prices changed. It was awful, I guess. <laughs> Fooling, Ida. Gosh, your performance in life begins at 8.30 really touched me emotionally. It did, it did. Oh, well, Eddie, don't tell me you shed tears. Shed tears, she says. Shed tears. <laughs> I cried so much, the ushers were floating up and down the aisles, battling the current. <laughs> Why, my tears really flooded that place. Twice during the picture, a submarine came up in the loges. Eddie, you're exaggerating. I'm not. Just look at these eyes. I've really got something to cry with, you know. <laughs> He likes my eyes. <laughs> Look at these romantic eyes. Ida, I know that you're planning a picture with Charles Boyer, but let me show you how a real lover kisses. Do you mind? Kiss you instead of Boyer. Yes, that's right. Eddie, if I can get caviar, why should I settle for hamburger? <laughs> Uncle Hamburger might come in mighty handy on a Tuesday night, babe. <laughs> and he knows what I mean. <clears throat> All right, Eddie. Come on. Well, come on. Kiss me. What are you waiting for? Do you want me plain or with onions? <laughs> Eddie, let's stop this nonsense. I told you I'm through with love scenes and drama. I want to do a vaudeville act. Oh, I'd, I've been thinking... You don't belong in Vaudeville. You should go into that branch of show business where, where they'll appreciate your face and figure more. Like what? Well, like, well, 
like dancing. But, Eddie, I can't dance. Well, for this kind of job, you really don't have to dance. You can... <laughs> you, can just, you can just strut around a little, you know what I mean? Strut around? Look, I'll explain it this way, Ida. What is the first thing you did when you came into the studio tonight? Well, I took my coat off. Well, why stop there? <laughs> Eddie, you mean... Just picture your name up in lights. Gypsy Rose Lapino. <laughs> a pretty girl is like a man. <laughs> If I did that, what would happen to my fans? Nothing if you hold them right. <laughs> no, Eddie, no, I'm definitely going into vaudeville. Well, if you insist, look, Ida, I, I like you, but do you expect to work alone in your act? You know, you're new at this thing. Mm-hmm. No, I was thinking of hiring some stew. Yeah. How would you like the job? <laughs> That is one of the dirtiest remarks I've ever had on this Time to Smile program. With I panel sell up. I want to tell you something. If you think, if you think that Eddie Cantor would act as this... How much will you pay? Ten dollars a week. I'll take it. I'll take it. You're willing to work for ten bucks. Why? For once in my life, I'll be getting money from somebody named Ida. Here's the routine, and let's rehearse the act right now. We'll do it! All right! Cookie Fairchild, music if you please! Why, little girl, how do you do? How do you do? Haven't I seen you someplace before? You may have. I've often been there. <laughs> well, tell me, kid, do you like the suit I'm wearing? It was made by Hart, Crafter, and Cobb. Looks like something Robot made when Sears had his back turned. <laughs> Just the same, honey. The girls I go with like it. Are you popular with the ladies? Yes. I always have a girl on the string. That one you had last night should have been on a leash. <laughs> you shouldn't talk that way to me today, because I'm worried about my mother. Yes? What's the matter? Well, you see, we moved to Boston and I was born. Yes? Then we moved to Twin Falls and my two brothers were born. Yes? Then we moved to Three Rivers, Michigan, and my three sisters were born. Yes? My father wants to move to the Thousand Islands. <laughs> the bells are ringing for me and my... Isn't he the nicest man? Bought my ring at the five and ten. The birds are singing for me and my... He's as sweet as sugar candy in the parlor. He's so handy. Everybody is knowing to a wedding they're going. And for weeks they've been sewing. Every Susie and Sal. From the kitchen he won't budge when I'm making maple fudge. They're congregating for me and my... I love him so, I must not word. When he shaves, he smells so good. The parson's waiting for me and my... When the preacher makes us one, holy gee, won't we have fun? And someday we're going to build a little home for two, for three or four or more in Loveland for me and my... my Beating fast with joy. I know our first will be a boy. What do you bet? In love, man, for me and my dad. You know, Ida, I've got dancing in my blood. 
You must have poor circulation. Hasn't got to your feet yet. <laughs> By the way, Eddie, whatever happened to that watchdog you had? Oh, we gave him away. Wasn't he any good? Well, we didn't mind when the burglar got in the house and he didn't bark. But when he started carrying the burglar's searchlight, that was going too far. <laughs> We have a remarkable dog, too. You have? Yes. The other day when a fire broke out, the dog ran into the house, came out with the insurance policies wrapped in a damp towel. No. Speaking of remarkable animals, my father's in the hospital, you know. Yes? What's the matter with him? He has housemaid's knee. Housemaid's knee? Yes. My mother caught him sitting on it. <laughs> Speaking of housemaid's knee, Eddie, my family just bought a farm. Is it a large farm? Well, we have a hundred chickens and we get 99 eggs. Why only 99 eggs? The other one is the bookkeeper. No! <laughs> hey, uh, yeah. you certainly are at home on the stage. Well, it wasn't always, always that way either. When I first went on the stage, I was nervous and jerky. Well, you're not nervous now. <laughs> In that, you know, we'd be great and vaudeville together. Why do you say that we actually form a team, huh? Well, Eddie, are you sure I'm the partner you want? Of course, Ida. Why, with your talent, we couldn't miss. Now, listen, I start the act with a buck and wing. Then I do a quick change into a blackface number. That's when I go on. No, 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 no. I lead right into a couple of jokes. Big laugh, see? Uh, I... Then me. No, no, no. Then I've got a great juggling routine. And, and... no. <laughs> Finally, I top off the act with a sensational acrobatic stunt. There I am, balancing six gold fish bowls and riding a bicycle on tightrope 50 feet over the stage. But, Eddie, what about me? You, do you have to do anything, why, you'll stand on the side of the stage and smile. And who'll look at me? Just smile? Is that all? Is that all, Ida? You should never underestimate your smile. Harry can tell you that, at least. Yes, Eddie is right, Miss Latino. A lovely smile will get attention every time. And because an attractive smile means so much to everyone, ladies and gentlemen, it certainly pays to take care of your smile. And about the best way I know to do that is between regular visits to your dentist, to faithfully use Ipana toothpaste and gum massage. Because healthy gums are mighty important to sound teeth and sparkling smiles. And Ipana not only cleans and brightens teeth thoroughly, but when used with massage, it is especially designed to help gums to a healthier firmness. So why don't you follow this simple, healthful routine? Regularly brush your teeth with Ipana toothpaste. And every time you do, put a little extra Ipana on your brush or fingertip and massage it on your gums. So, ladies and gentlemen, ask your druggist tomorrow for a tube of Ipana toothpaste. And since the government has ruled that we can't buy toothpaste of any kind unless we turn in an empty tube, don't forget to take an empty metal tube of some sort with you when you get your Ipana toothpaste. Eddie? Uh, yes, Ida? I really enjoy doing our vaudeville act. Let's team up and do it in a theater. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I didn't want you to take me seriously. You see, it's too old-fashioned. It's corny. Why no agent would hire our act unless he were an ignorant, lame-brained dope? How do you do? <laughs> Russian. You? You are in the theatrical business? I'm not in the monkey business. <laughs> I shall produce a great play. The Fuhrer died at dawn. Not the Fuhrer. The General died at dawn. Mm, I can dream, can't I? <laughs> oh, stop it. Russian, Russian, I want you to meet my partner, 
Ida Lapino. Charm. Charm, I'm sure it's dizzy. And Lobby can shake you by the ankle. <laughs> by the hand. You take what you like and I'll take what I like. <laughs> Russian, you must recognize Miss Lapino. Did you see Life Begins at 8.30? Did I see Life Begins at 8.30? Get out. Did I see? I was in it. You was in it? Yeah. That's impossible. I was the leading lady. Mm. Are you sure you were in Life Begins at 8.30? Mm, maybe I left at a quarter after seven. <laughs> Russia. Yes? Are you certain you can get us on the stage? Mine, dear, you. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I will book you into my greatest theater, Gromans, Moscow. Gromans, Moscow? Yes. Do you think that we would make a hit there? I guarantee you... You'll play to standing room only. But how can you guarantee standing room only? Mm, not it. <laughs> oh, you're impossible, Russian. I don't want you as my agent. Please, don't say that. I get a thrill working for you, Miss Lupinas. No, no, no. <laughs> you get a thrill working for Miss Lupino. Why do you say peanuts? That's what I get working for you. Why? <laughs> I pay no attention to him. He's no producer. He does this every week. He's an imposter. Don't say that. Dad, don't say <laughs> I come from a theatrical family. You do. My poor father was the world's greatest showman. No. What happened to him? He was killed by a weasel. <laughs> Little weasel killed your father? Yes. You see, one day he was sitting on the railroad tracks. Yes. Suddenly a train came along. Yes. And he didn't hear the weasel. No! And he didn't hear the weasel. <laughs> Ida, Ida, you've been a good sport taking all this with me, and I, I do want to thank you for coming here tonight. No, Eddie, I want to thank you. No, no. Yes, I've learned a great lesson from you tonight, just watching you work. Well, thank you, Ida. Yes, Eddie. It's taught me never to be discouraged. Uh -huh. Any man who can get as far as you have without talent, without look... Well, good night, Ida. With a no personality... Ida. With absolutely Ida, good nothing. night. Good night, Ida. Good night. <laughs> And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to bring you this message. These fine and moving words appeared in a recent issue of Time magazine as an advertisement for the New Haven Railroad entitled, The Kid in Upper Fall. It is 3.42 a.m. on a troop train. Men wrapped in blankets are breathing heavily. Two in every lower berth, one in every upper. This is no ordinary trip. It may be their last in the USA till the end of the war. Tomorrow they will be on the high seas. One is wide awake, listening, staring into the blackness. It is the kid in Upper Four. Tonight he knows he is leaving behind a lot of little things and big ones. The taste of hamburgers and pop. The feel of driving a roadster over a six-lane highway. A dog named Shucks or Spot or Barnacle Bill the pretty girl who writes so often, that gray-haired man so proud and awkward at the station, the mother who knit the socks he'll wear soon. Tonight he's thinking them over. There's a lump in his throat and maybe 
Maybe a tear fills his eye. It doesn't matter, kid. Nobody will see. It's too dark. A couple of thousand miles away where he's going, they don't know him very well. But people all over the world are waiting, praying for him to come. And he will come, this kid in Upper Four, with new hope, peace, and freedom for a tired, bleeding world. Good luck to you, kid in Upper Four, and all you other kids, wherever you are. You've got a big job to do, and we know you're going to do it. So that next Christmas and all the Christmases to come may be white. White with the light of peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Thank you. Thank you for being with us tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We do hope you'll be back again next week to help us roll out the carpet for our special guest, Lieutenant J.G. Phil Harris of the United States Merchant Marine. <laughs> we'll also have our regular gang on hand, Dinah Shaw and Harry Von Zell, the Mad Russian, the Ambassadors, and little Cookie Fairchild in the orchestra. So remember... I love to spend each Wednesday with you as friend to friend. I'm sorry it's true. I'm telling Hello? Yes, miss, that was the Eddie Cantor show you just heard. Sponsored by Bristol-Myers, makers of Sal Hepatica, Ipana, Touche. Uh, Touche. A new beauty discovery, a hand lotion. No, this lotion is based on a brand new idea, beforehand protection. Beforehand. You see, other lotions are applied after you have had your hands in water. You smooth Touche on before your daily soap and water tasks to protect your hands against the harsh drying effects of hot soapy water. Surely it's grand for smoothing rough elbows and knees, too. That's right, touche. T-O-U-S-H-A-Y. Well, you're more than welcome. Good night. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. KFI Los Angeles, by transcription. You're listening to the Old Time Radio Hour broadcast each week over the World Wide Web with your host, Justine Ward. Next, we have humor from Vic and Sade that is easy to relate to now as it was 80 years ago. Exchanging a gift that doesn't fit or going through the yearly Christmas card list is a trip down a comic rabbit hole with Vic and Sade and their son Rush. Here are two 15-minute episodes, Vic and Sade, Send the Slippers Back, first broadcast November 4th, 1941 on NBC. Hello there. Get ready to smile again with radio's home folks, Vic and Sade. Vic and Sade, written by Paul Reimer, is brought to you each weekday by the makers of the new Sure Mix Crisco. Honestly, it's a crime the way those people over at the Crisco kitchens keep tempting my appetite. Do you know what they sent over to me today? Well, it's another one of those swell layer cakes they make. Oh, boy, this one's really a honey. There's some kind of a fluffy white frosting on it. And then there's some bitter chocolate spread thin like over the top. I think I'll cut myself a piece if you don't mind. 
Mmm. Mmm. There's little bits of chocolate in the cake, too. Mmm, boy. And is this cake light? Why, I'm telling you, it could walk right away in a cloud. And then you'll find that cakes made with the new Surmix Crisco are decidedly on the light side. In fact, they're lighter cakes than you can make with any other shortening we know of. You know why? Well, it's because Crisco is made differently from other shortenings. That's the truth. It's made by an exclusive process that you just won't find in any other shortening you can buy. That's why only Crisco can give you cakes as light as this one here. And I think I'll have another bite, if you don't mind. Mm. You see, this special process makes Crisco an active blender in your cake batter. Why, Crisco just seems to reach right out and take hold of the milk and flour and eggs and blend them more thoroughly than other shortenings do. That's a fact. Crisco gives you the smoothest cake batters you've ever seen. Satin smooth cake batters that mean lighter cakes for you. Of course, I can't put Crisco into your cakes. You've got to do that. So, look, next time you bake one of your favorite cakes, use the same recipe, the same ingredients, but change your shortening. Use the new Sure Mix Crisco. Then you'll have a cake that's really light, like this one I'm eating here, because Crisco gives you lighter cakes. Yes, lighter cakes than any other shortening. Well, sir, it's late afternoon as our scene opens now. And here in the living room of the small house, halfway up in the next block, we find Mrs. Victor Gook and her son, Mr. Rush Gook. The latter had just this moment arrived home from an after-school session of football in Tatman's vacant lot and is standing near the library table contemplating with interest an open shoebox. Listen. But it says in big letters on the wrapping paper, do not open until Christmas. I opened it anyway. To see if the easy slippers were too big or too little. I'm just sure Robert and Larson will visit us around Christmas time, and naturally they'll expect to see me wearing my easy slippers. And if they didn't fit, it'd be embarrassing. Oh. I decided not to take any chances. But I've told Larson over the long-distance telephone you took size five-and-a-half easy slippers. I know he said five and a half for a fact because I was right here and heard him. Well, either she didn't understand him correct or our sizes run different in Carol. Easy slippers don't any more fit than a rabbit. Too little? Too big. Well, you're <laughs> going to send them back? Gov is. Gov? Of course. He and Laura seem cooked up this plot about my Christmas present. I've got nothing to do with it. It's their secret. I'm not supposed to know anything about any easy slippers. <laughs> you haven't told Gov what he's going to do, have you? Well, naturally not. The package only just arrived this afternoon. He'll scream like a panther. Why? Because he ate lady stuff worse than a poison reptile. Makes him sick to his stomach when he gets involved. I expect he'll survive. Uh All he'll be required to do is mail the package back to Carol along with a letter explaining there's been a mistake in the size. He'll scream like a panther. He's welcome to scream like a panther. Have you examined the easy slippers? No. Where are they? Davenport. Oh, I think Robert made them himself. <laughs> There's a steel chain holding them together, just as advertised. Well, so they won't ever get separated and lost from each other. <laughs> uh-huh. Robert's idea. No, no, and Robert and Laurestine, the way I do, I figured I'd better open the box and investigate the easy slippers. They're so careless about stuff. And sure enough, darn easy slippers a mile too large. Well, like I say, I'm almost positive they'll visit us sometime after Christmas and... It'll be embarrassing for everybody concerned if my easy slippers fell off my feet. Uh-huh. Your father can send them back with a little note. Notice the pictures on the toes? Yeah. On one toe is a picture of a baby chick hatching out of an egg, and another toe is a picture of an Indian fellow smoking the pipe of peace. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> Is there any connection? Not that I know of. When Robert's making things in his workshop, he gets odd ideas about it. Hear him in the kitchen? Hey, you guys. I heard you. Howdy, hi. Greetings, Sadie. You might as well attend to this right now without delay. Give Robert all the time in the world to make new easy slippers and get him back here before Christmas. Scream like a panther. What? Gobble scream like a panther. Fiddly whittle. <laughs> what you bet? Fiddly whittle. The wind that just blow and we shall have snow, and what will poor Robert do then, poor thing? Getting cold now? Yes, indeed. Notice how the naughty fingers of Jack Frost have pinched my cheek? Uh huh. Stand by, Rush, old chum, and I'll give you the privilege of taking my hat and coat in the hallway. <laughs> You're a jolly spirit. Who wouldn't be living in this perfect world? Shall I give you a kiss, Sadie? <laughs> Don't bother. Suit you, suit me, Mr. Spooner. Plenty of other girls. Here you are, razor strap. One gentleman's coat, one gentleman's hat. <laughs> okay. Ruthie and I have we planned to go down to Yamton this afternoon and see what kind of bargains they got in wash rags, but at the last minute she phoned up. in the box? What? Oh, guess once. Do not open until Christmas. Robert and Lorestein's present. Oh, here's your slippers? Uh, they're there on the Davenport. Pretty quick service. It was only the week before last I talked to Lorestein long distance. Well, don't tell me. I don't know anything about you talking to Lorestein long distance. Keep your little secrets to yourself, please. Lady stuff. No, no lady stuff. We don't need to beat around the bush this trip. It's all cut and dried. Lady stuff, Rush. <laughs> Most involved lady stuff you ever saw. All right, mister. Uh-huh. I'm not involved. Here's the thing of it. Just got through telling Rush. Knowing Robert and Lorestein the way I do, I'm I I'm not figure... involved in any lady stuff, say. No. Let a person tell. I simply refuse to be involved in any lady stuff. Will you let a person tell? Mm-hmm. The package only just arrived a little while ago. Knowing Robert and Lorestein the way I do and being familiar with how careless they are about stuff, I decided I'd better open the package and try on the easy slippers to see if they fit. Mm-hmm. It's Collars to Walnuts. They'll visit us around Christmas time, and if the... Easy slippers ain't right in every way, shape, and form. It'll be embarrassing for everybody concerned. Now, isn't that true? Mm, I suppose so. Well, of course it's true. You notice easy slippers, though? Uh-uh. On the toe of one, there's a picture of a baby chick hatching out of an eggshell. And on the toe of the other, there's a picture of an Indian guy smoking the pipe of peace. Mm. Robert, for you. Such queer notions he gets. Mm. This steel chain holding the slippers together looks too short. It is too short. Much too short. Ought to be three times as long. When I tried on the slippers and attempted to walk, I almost fell down. person has to take little tiny mincing steps to where it'd take a week to get any place. Better mention that in your letter. In my letter? A letter's got to be written. I've already said I refuse to have... Look, let me talk. This isn't what you call lady stuff, so don't let yourself get excited. I write no letter. I write no letter in Will you listen once? Easy slippers are too large. A lot too large. And the chain holding them together is too short. person can't hardly walk. All right, you've agreed with me that Robert and Lorestein will most likely put in an appearance sometime around Christmas. You also agreed it would be embarrassing for everybody if the easy slippers were wrong in any way. Well, they are wrong. They're too big and the chain holding them together is too short. A letter's got to be written. You need to look at me. The easy slippers have to be mailed back to Carol so Robert can fix new ones and the letters got to be written. You need to look at me. I'll die before now. What you doing, Rush? Going to try on my easy slippers? Do you mind? 
at him soil. I will walk around. Well, is there a picture of a baby chick hatching out over a shell there if the tool went slipping? I hadn't the slightest notion. Why, is there a picture of an Indian guy smoking a pipe of peace on that easy slipper? Hadn't the slightest notion. Oh, this little letter business won't take you five minutes. Why, George, they are big. Naturally, I can't write the letter. <laughs> because I'm not supposed to know anything about my Christmas present. That's strictly between Laura, Steen, and you. I'm all in the dark about the wicked plots you scalawag patch up. <laughs> oh. Sure. Look what big easy slippers. Yes, terrible big. Such a short chain. I started to walk to the kitchen and give up when I got to the bookcase. It had taken me till next Easter. At least. Uh, here's what I thought you could say, Vic. Oh. And please stop the nonsense. No. Here's what I thought you could say. Dear Laura Steen. Ha, 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 ha. Oh. Will you cut that out? Oh. Why, George, these are the most uncomfortable half-wit easy slippers I ever come across. I wouldn't anymore well, wear these. Take them off and put them back in the box before they get dirty. Oh. Uh, dear Laura Steen. Ha, 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 ha. Well, Laura Steen, the easy slippers arrived in wonderful shape, and Sadie is completely in the dark. We certainly pulled the wool over her eyes. I am writing this in the basement by lantern light. I guess I don't require any help on this rush. No, but this is a good idea I got. Uh, we certainly pulled the wool over Sadie's eyes, hey, Laura Steen? Well, Laura Steen, Sadie has gone to bed, and I am writing this down cellar in the coal room by lantern light. Uh, we don't want to get caught in this wicked pot of scalawags hatched up, hey, Laura Steen? I couldn't keep the gilly look off in my face at the supper table tonight when Sadie asked me to pass some mashed potatoes. That'll be And enough. I pretended to have a violent fit of coughing. Well, Laura Steen, old fellow conspirator... I said that'll be enough, Rush. Okay. Is that chain on there to hang your easy slippers up by? No. It's to hold the easy slippers together. So they won't ever get separated and lost from each other. Oh. Here's what I thought you could say in your nice little letter. In my nice little lady. Yes. Oh, dear Laura Steen. Ha, 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 ha. Well, Laura Steen, the easy slippers arrived in wonderful shape, and Sadie is completely in the dark. We certainly pulled the wool over her eyes. The reason I'm writing, Laura Steen, I'm afraid you and Robert made a mistake about the socks. I tried them on Sadie while she was asleep, and they're too big, so I went to Will work. Will you keep out of this, please? No, but this is a peachable stuff. Airtight, waterlogged, and foolproof. I tried the easy slippers on Sadie while she was asleep, and they're too big. So I went to work. I warned you for the last time, Rush. Oh. What's the matter? Oh, sorry, Father. What? Oh, sorry. Why you got your face in your hand? Oh, Say in your nice little letter like this. The reason I'm writing Laura's scene, I'm afraid you and Robert made a mistake about the size. I compared your easy slippers with some old ones of Sadie's, and yours are considerable longer and wider. Ha, 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 ha. No. I am enclosing in the envelope an outline of Sadie's feet, drawn with pen and ink on tablet paper. I expect it will help you a good deal. I have a suggestion. Just keep it to yourself. Mm. Might as well take your face out of your hands and quit playing the baby and do this little simple thing and have it over with. Oh. Land. Childishness that crops out in a grown-up man. I'm going out in the kitchen. Get pen and ink in my stylish yellow stationery out of the library table drawer, Rush. Okay. And they give them to your father. Okay. Then you come out in the kitchen, too, because I need things from the grocery store. Okay. 
Oh. <laughs> Better snap out of it and get busy, guys. No. I'll fix you up with pen and ink. Why is there a picture of a baby chick hatching out of an eggshell on the toe one easy slipper? You haven't the slightest idea. Why is there a picture of an Indian guy smoking a pipe of peace on the toe of the other easy slipper? You haven't the slightest idea. Oh. Don't cry, Gov. Which concludes another brief interlude at the small house halfway up in the next block. But be sure to come along when we drop in on Vic and Save the next time. This is Ed Hurley, he's speaking. Nine out of ten, nine out of ten, leading stocking makers say, use Ivory Flakes, new Ivory Flakes, you'll help stockings wear that way. And believe me, longer stocking wear is something that interests every woman in America today, since silk stockings may soon be hard to get. Yes, and thousands of women are turning to new double-quick Ivory Flakes for the answer to longer stocking wear. Just follow these simple do's and don'ts for stocking care. Do wash your stockings every night. Don't let them pile up. Do use lukewarm suds of pure ivory flakes. Don't use hot water or strong soaps. Do wash your stockings gently. Don't rub. We promise you this easy care every night can really help you get longer wear. Remember... That's the stocking care. Nine out of ten leading makers of famous stockings advise... For both their silks and their nylons. And uh, nine out of ten can't be wrong. Oh, nine out of ten, nine out of ten, leading stocking makers say, use ivory flakes, new ivory flakes, you'll help stockings wear that way. Every night, new ivory flakes, and your stockings really wear. This is Vic and Sade, Christmas card list. First broadcast in December of 1939 on NBC. And now, get ready to smile again. With radio's home folks, Chris goes Vic and Sade. Now, I know that you women like to get compliments from your husbands on the way you look, and that you like to have him notice your new hats. But honestly, I don't believe anything could make you happier than to have him sit down to the dinner table and say... Gosh, this is good cake. Why, darling, I think it's the best you ever made. <laughs> now, tell the truth. Didn't I just about hit the nail on the head when I said a compliment like that would please you? Well, that's the kind of compliments you can expect from your husband and from your friends, too, when you use new Sure Mix Crisco in your cakes. You see, new Sure Mix Crisco is different. It even acts differently from any other household shortening we know of. That's why we can now definitely promise you three wonderful new cake-making advantages. Yes, as baking tests in our own Crisco kitchen show. New Sure Mix Crisco will give you higher cakes, lighter cakes, and tenderer cakes. And when you see your Sure Mix Crisco cakes disappear almost like magic, you'll know they're better eating cakes, too. Now, when you see how much more thoroughly, how much more completely new Sure Mix Crisco blends with your other ingredients, you'll just naturally expect your Sure Mix Crisco cakes to be different. And I promise that you won't be disappointed. When your Sure Mix Crisco cakes come out of the oven, they'll smell grand. They'll look grand because they'll be higher and lighter. And they'll eat grand because they'll be tenderer and better eating than any cake you ever made before. So next time you think of good cake, remember, Sure Mix Crisco. And the next time you think of shortening, change to Sure Mix Crisco. You'll find that Sure Mix Crisco is packed in the same familiar Crisco can with the same familiar label. So just say that you want Crisco. And when you use new Crisco, you'll understand what the greatest shortening discovery in 29 years has done for this pure, all-vegetable shortening. 
you'll agree with hundreds of thousands of other good cooks that Crisco is truly sure mix Crisco now. Well, sir, it's early evening as we join our friends at the small house halfway up in the next block now. And we find them comfortably established in the living room. A controversy seems to be in progress. Listen. That great big list of fellows? Oh, son, you say. Every doggone year we go through this same old tiresome business. I don't send out Christmas cards for the sheer boyish pleasure of it. I send out Christmas cards because it's a thing I feel obligated to do. Oh, say. Let me look over them names once. Help yourself. Meanwhile, I'll be thinking up others, Dad. Who's A.W. Grant? A.W. Grant happens to be chief accountant at Plat 9. Acquainted with him? I think I may truthfully say I'm acquainted with A.W. Craig. We've corresponded from time to time, and we've had long-distance telephone conversations on numerous occasions. You've never actually met him, though, huh? Not in the flesh, no. What call has he got to receive a Christmas card, then? Oh, Eskido. Oh, but tell me. A.W. Grant has remembered me with holiday greetings ever since 1930. Who's Greebly H. Snout? A little old man with pale green feet that lives on the side of the hill. Uh-huh. I expect he is. Greedley H. Snout is executive paymaster at Plant 12. Has he sent you cards every Christmas? He has. Who's T.O. Flight? Do you propose to challenge all the names on this list? I think somebody ought to draw the line somewhere. Every Christmas you go through the same identical performance. By bushels and bushels of cards and thrown to the four winds. You're standing in the light, say. Would you mind moving over a trifle? I said, see what I mean. Gonna attack on still more fellas, huh? We could buy a grand piano with the money we'd save if we used our heads about Christmas cards. Who's Tyson L. Greek? Kiddo, go read the paper or something. Who's Tyson L. Greek? Exalted Big Dipper of the jubilant Juno chapter of the Sacred Stars of the Milky Way. It was Tyson L. Greek married the lady trombone player we read about in the Chicago paper. She could whip off a complete trombone solo on one lung full air. I cut out the clipping and pasted it. Well, nothing recruits you our charming circle. How do you do, sir? What's the discussion? I suggest you return to the Davenport and do your storybook. My eyes got kind of tired. Who's J.I. Stite? You really propose to challenge every name on this list? I want to understand what's what. I try to cut down on expenses. You're going to mail elaborate 15 cent Christmas cards to every Tom, Dick, and Harry that draws the breath of life. I might as well know the worst. Thought you'd drop a chair, huh? See the rest? Yeah, I thought I would. What's the discussion? The scene must make a pretty tableau to pedestrians passing along Virginia Avenue. Father and mother and little boy all clustered around the library table. I was getting along all right. I didn't solicit anybody's society. Who's J.I. Stipe? J.I. Stipe is a bank robber. He stole $9,000. He languishes in jail. I wouldn't be surprised. I love having you people so close to me and all, but I wonder if you'd excuse me a moment while I write down another name. Write down six. That list of the fellas God's going to send Christmas cards to? Mm Mm-mm. Quite a batch. Not at all. He's barely started. Mind if I count them, God? Mm, Go right ahead. Do anything that'll bring you joy. Who's Alan B. Teagle? Minneapolis, Minnesota. So he gets a 15-cent Christmas card, huh? So he gets a 15-cent Christmas card. 
Two 15 cents make 30 cents. Four 15 cents make 60 cents. Ten 15 cents make a dollar and a half. Sadie, I guess I should have taken care of this little job at the office. And nobody need to be upset. 57. Wonderful having your hot breath down my color sheet, Run. Am I too close? On the contrary. Come closer. Cuddle up. <laughs> oh, sure. How many did you say? 57? Yeah. What's 57 times 15? Don't know. I'll take your pencil and multiply. May I use yours, Doc? It is already in use. I'm writing down the name of W.Y. Slash. There's one on the floor underneath the chair, Willie. Okay. Who's W.Y. Slash? A fellow that hit Billy Patterson. I was even going to cut out the neighbors this year mm. with Christmas cards. I planned to just send to relatives and close friends. I thought of the lovely money saved and it seemed... Saved every half-wit year, I have to tell you this. Mailing out holiday greetings is a business obligation. I don't take any childish ecstasy in wishing slobs like W.Y. Slatch a Happy New Year. W.Y. Slatch can go jump in the creek as far as I'm concerned. But if W.Y. Slatch don't find a delicate Tinsley remembrance on his desk for me around the 25th of December, he'd be sore. Why will he be sore? Maybe not sore, but he'll note the mission. On the other hand, a Christmas card for me will please him and give a rosier complexion to our business relations. Well, who is W.Y. Slatch? Big shot in Consolidated Kitchenware's Central New York office. Hmm. He's worth a 15-cent expenditure, ain't he? Well, maybe he is. How much? $8.55. That all? Yeah. Seems like it'd be a lot more. Uh-uh. Sure you figured it correct? Checked it over twice. 15 cents times 57 seems like it'd add up... Maybe not at that. 10 cents times 57 would only be $5.70. Yeah, and 15 cents times 57 is exactly eight fifty-five. Not as bad as I thought, but still oceans of money to be thrown out the window. The first chair barber down at the Butler House Hotel claims he's lived his entire lifetime without receiving one single Christmas card. Mm. He says it used to prey on his mind to make him cry in bed at nights, but in recent years he's taken pride in it. Mm -hmm. Now he's scared every Christmas he will get a card. He's worried about it. Wakes up in the middle of the night screaming. His landlady told him he was disturbing other rumors and didn't notice. <laughs> Who's E.A. Droop? Huh? Who's that E.A. Droop you're writing down? Say, I absolutely refuse to sit here and account for every half well, that I've How do you I feel? Every time you think of some idiot's name, it costs us another 15 cents. 15 cents don't fall out of the sky. I try to keep track of my 15 cents. Yes, gracious sakes alive, if I shovel my 15 cents... All right, listen. Here's Milford Rapp, W.Z. Lippy, F.N. Jeweler in Waterstone. They're all pals of mine from Plant 3, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. You have to send the whole slew Christmas cards? Certainly. Then here's Cully Grotch, E.M. Blake, H.G. Skies in Axel Fonderman. They're all Sky Brothers of mine from the Sabin Saturn chapter of Dubuque, Iowa. And here's Sam Daniels, I.H. Crank, and Orphan Gitch. Sidekicks of mine from Dixon. Do they all have... And U.A. Crop, Joe Gleek, O.Q. Fife, and Milton Eberly. Their friends are yours. U.A. Crop tied your shoe for you at the fairgrounds. O.Q. Fife said your sandwiches were tasty at the picnic. Joe Gleek gave us a dime. Milton Eberly got hit by a train. 
He didn't do me any favor. He didn't hit by a train. How do you mean? They were naming off them fellas like they'd done me favors. Well, Aubrey never done me any favor getting hit by a train. And your memory, Willie Jackson, you, you gasp, Chester Flight, N.N. Bess, Howard Scupper, A.K. Lehman. All fellas you know. Do they deserve Christmas cards or don't they? Far as I'm concerned. And Steve Pegg, Y.B. Nurse, Homer Eggleston, Herman Spath, W.X. Kennedy. Far as I'm concerned. And then take the gang from Southern Illinois, Norman Owler, Sid Freak, T.T. Wops, Ellery Snitch. I bet you could cut and out... Fred Markley, A.L. Gazelle, Curtis Gouge, E.J. Plasters, N.F. Sutter. I bet you could... Well, cut Miss Plain, Chris Miller, Sam King, R.F. Sledge, Oscar Flubb, Jack Welkes. Hmm. Sure. This first chair barber down at the Butler House Hotel. Now I'd like to ask you people to give me elbow room. Rush, you may go back to the Leaden Port. I don't want to go back. All right, then. Go to Southern Ohio. Only clear away from this library table. Uh-huh. Sadie, will you oblige? <laughs> sure. In two years, I'll remember to take care of this little task at the office. Uh-huh. Avoiding misery, heartbreak, and general unhappiness. Dismiss, mm. my darlings. Fred? Yes? What's that name you're writing down? Wilmer I. Keish. Who's he? Exalted Big Dipper of the nonchalant Neptune chapter of the Sacred Stars of the Milky Way, La Crosse, Wisconsin. Why is he entitled to a 15-cent Christmas card? which concludes another brief interlude at the small house halfway up in the next block. And there we leave Crisco's Vic and Sade until the next time. So you know, the joke's certainly on me. I've been telling you that new Sure Mix Crisco is different and that our baking tests show cakes made with new Sure Mix Crisco will be higher, lighter, and tender. But it took a good cook to put this news into real cooking terms. On taking her first Sure Mix Crisco cake from the oven and seeing a higher, lighter, tenderer cake than she'd ever made before, she explained why my cake pans have never been so full of good cake before. And your cake's pans will be chuck full of tender, light, delicious cake when you use Sure Mix Crisco. New Sure Mix Crisco is different. It acts differently from any other household shortening we know of. With Sure Mix Crisco, all your ingredients get together and stay together. And we can promise you that this new type cake batter will give you higher, lighter, tenderer cakes than you ever made before. So change to Crisco today and enjoy the three wonderful new cake-making advantages new Sure Mix Crisco brings you. And don't forget to listen to Crisco's Vic and Save the next time. This is Ralph Edwards speaking. You have been listening to the Old Time Radio Hour broadcast each week over the World Wide Web. You can subscribe at no charge through Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or RSS. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you can join us again next week for another hour of holiday entertainment from the golden age of radio. Until then, this is your host, Justine Ward, saying so long for a while. (laughs) 